Welcome back, friends, to episode 46 of the Banished to the Pen podcast, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the podcast Effectively Wild. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the Baron of All Baseball podcasts. Joining me this week are two contributors to Banished to the Pen and two return guests to the podcast, if I remember correctly. I've got... Ben Suisa and Mark Sands with me today. Uh, say hi to the internet, guys. Hey, Ryan. Hi, internet. How are you? Hey, internet. You've been kind to us today. Yeah, <laughs> we've been fighting some technical difficulties, so um, bear with us if we have any glitches here while we're recording today. But uh, like I said, I think we're ready to roll. So first and foremost, let's start where we start each week. Um, for those that maybe missed a previous uh, appearance of yours uh, on the show, uh, introduce yourself a little bit, uh, who you're a fan of, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work, all that good stuff. So um, let's see. I'm going to go. Uh, let's start with Ben. Uh, alphabetical, I suppose. Yeah. So you can find my work uh, when I when I when I actually am writing uh, over on BTTP, obviously. B-S-U-I-S-S-A on Twitter. And so I'm a Canada boy. And actually, I think I've been on with Mark before, too. We might have talked a little bit of this kind of stuff too um maybe about a year ago now oh yeah i but think yeah. you were on my birthday podcast yes it's is today your birthday uh no it was a couple weeks ago a couple weeks ago okay well happy belated and uh yeah anyway so that's more about me a canada boy and jay's fan and uh doing the jay's preview as well this year probably a lot uh better feeling going into this one than you did uh, 12 months ago or certainly two or three years ago that's for sure yeah it was a lot you know the the winter was actually quite warmer less snow this winter but you know in and of itself i was pretty warm it's funny how that works right october yeah, yeah. all right mark uh you're up buddy hey uh mark sands uh you can find all my writing at banished to the pen uh my twitter handle is shark mgs because i'm terribly uncreative uh, this year, I'm writing the preview for the Tigers, who are my favorite team, and also the San Diego Padres. Very, very cool. So uh, thank you guys for joining me uh, this weekend, and uh, let's dive in. I guess we're, I don't know, 10 days, two weeks from when pitchers and catchers reported, but still feels like a long time before opening day. So um, I'm kind of excited to talk some baseball, though. Maybe it'll warm us all up. Um, let's see. Where should we start? Let's start with Ben. Uh, let's start uh, with that Toronto Blue Jays, uh, and let's start with them a little bit. You're writing the preview for them on Banish to the Pen, and, and uh, let me crowbar in a, a cheap plug if I could. We've got a really good preview going on with each team, and we're kind of following along with Effectively Wild. And quite frankly, I've been so impressed with the just the quality of the of the previews that are being done. So first and foremost, tip of the cap to to everybody doing their you know, doing their work and on the grind. So, okay. Now, Blue Jays, Ben, fill me in. So, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to try to not give too much away to spoil spoil everything that I've been writing. But uh, actually, so I started writing this about a couple weeks ago over over my reading week. And, and uh, well, that was a pretty big mistake, I, I'm realizing now. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really realize how much could kind of change as, as we're sort of even approaching spring training now where we don't even have games yet. So like things like the Jay Bruce sort of almost signing, which kind of would have changed how the outfield's going to look, would have changed the batting order, would have changed potentially uh, you know, the, the, the ability of re-signing Batista if, there's, if they needed like more leverage from having another outfielder there. there. Um, and then the other big issue that I'm sure you guys are aware of going on right now is this is Batista's actual extension and those details – and so I'll kind of try to summarize the situation a little bit. Essentially, you know, there's been some estimates to what he's actually owed or what he should be given. You know, he's 36 years old too, right? So you you have to think they might be on the lower end and below 100 million. Uh, but there's been reports coming out from you know potentially not as valid sources as you know Heyman or <laughs> or Olney and stuff, but saying the amount might be around 150, and people have shot that down. And he's been saying that, you know, he wants some sort of uh, fair value contract for, you know, what he's been doing, essentially shutting down the, t the team friendly aspect of it, which, you know, is not really fair. And so, so that $150 million 
uh, report that came out like a few, maybe like a week ago now. Um, someone else, I think Heyman actually came in and said he might want more than that now. So for a 36 year old looking at like 150 mil, uh, it definitely kind of changed the the scope of how the, how the how the team how, how I kind of look at the team going forwards. And I was really excited like after October, obviously, and I you know well did just fall short in the ALCS. Let, uh, it was pre- it was a pretty exciting let me, season uh, for sure successful. But from a thousand miles away, literally uh, here in DC, I, I actually thought that Bautista did the organization a favor because there's no way that I think most of the rational fans up there are going to be saying that yeah he should be signed for five years and 150 million dollars going forward I, I it almost feels like he let him off the hook like all right well we're not going to have any interest at that price level nor should we so say la vie i want to say a little bit I, and we'll discuss this later in the podcast but similarly to what happened with ian desmond here in washington yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the fact that yeah, like like you said, well, I'm sure we'll get to Desmond later, but that you know hitters really are getting the same value by or aren't as valued by teams like this off season maybe throughout last year as well. But that we we're seeing with pitching nowadays. So yeah, it's, it it makes him look like a bad guy and going from hero you know over the winter to to come in and kind of get you know scrutinized by by what his asks are. It might make yeah, it might it might make the decision easier with just him to play out this year, but it's uh it's tough if you if he sort of idolized here in Toronto, so it's it's tough to to see it just walk away based on this really far off negotiations as it seems like. But it seems like Toronto has done a nice job of building. It feels like most of their guys are are under control for a little while now, if I have that right, except for Bautista. It, it does this kind of you know declaration of wanting such dollars does that move up the window of contention so to speak or are we still thinking this is you know a a very good team this year but it'll be good for the next two three four years yeah they definitely locked up pieces a lot of it a lot of it aren't aren't young guys like Tulowitzki and Martin and Donaldson's got I think three more years because he was super two Uh, but Edwin will be gone this year so there's definitely some some talent locked up, less on the young side. So you're not going to get your typical five years of control with 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 the young guys coming up. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely not 2016, and then you're going to start rebuilding. There's definitely a, quite a lot of pieces there to at least like be competitive past 2016. Uh, Mark, you have some questions for Ben. Well, Ben, uh, how do you think? Uh, obviously, David Price is gone, although he didn't really perform in the playoffs uh, how do you think your rotation's gonna bounce back this year without him yeah so i think the offense is gonna be really good <laughs> no i it, it, it might be worse to be perfectly honest um with like marco estrada having sort of a revolutionary year not nowhere close to where where you thought his peak might come uh, in his career but you know he you know he ran like something like a barely over 200 Babbitt last year and and he, he did obviously make some changes with pitch mix and and the idea that you know throwing fly ball throwing balls that can be crushed and kind of hit home runs off of will you know will in turn inevitably in turn you know do to get up some home runs but you get a lot of pop-ups as a result a lot of some weaker contact uh but weak contact doesn't really you know isn't isn't really like a career low and you know and overall i think 2015 that, that was the lowest batter for any pitcher and it wasn't even close he's up, sort of up there with granky and we and we know how that re- regression is going to go as well <laughs> so it, it can't get too much better stroman coming back is going to be nice but um they traded a lot of the younger arms right. to acquire some of, the, some of the bats over the last like i guess a year and a half now um so the bullpen's good which is nice uh, but the rotation might be kind of ugly, and it, it might be set, a lot of some fill-ins. Like they brought in Jesse Chavez this year, and guys like Jay Hat, who are you know fine, but you know a, a couple bad outings, and you, they, they could be out of the rotation. At least Chavez, for example. You mentioned a bunch of uh, things that I wanted to ask you about. So um, first, uh, I want to ask you just how excited are you to watch Stroman every fifth day, and what are you expecting from him this season? Yeah, well, being in the AL East and 
in Roger Center, it's hard to really throw like you know put up sub three ERAs and that's that type of thing, even in this era of pitching. But I think he's going to be around the low threes in ERA and coming back from a from a, a like a lower body injury is definitely a lot better for for a young a guy who throws pretty hard to not have a sort of an arm injury or shoulder injury something like that that, that was, you really kind of think that that might you know hinder him coming into the next year but so that on, he's on the safe side there and so with the sort of Batista news too I, I kind of expect him and he's kind of shown this in through social media and the way he's you know stays with the team and the way he you know I guess puts himself out there with with the team he seems like he might be able to come in and replace the I guess the idolized Jay that Artista sort of was for the last for the last couple of years, and maybe be the face of the team going forwards. Uh, and, and a little closer to my heart, a little bit. I was curious your thoughts, kind of as a Jays fan, and just it, you know, as a fan in general, your thoughts on the Storin for Ben Revere swap. Yeah, I, I, so I, I like Drew Storin a lot, and I actually I find Ben Revere okay too. But my, my issue with them was sort of the old traditional mindset of put the fast guy in the lead-up spot, and that kind of drove me bonkers for a while. <laughs> so I, I was happy to have Storin in, and left field's going to be a little bit of a question mark this year, but hopefully that means Revere's not leading off and getting more plate appearances than Jose Batista and Josh Donaldson and Edwin Encarnacion, which is a positive thing overall. Um. I was hoping they put Troy Tulowitzki in, but there's some new reports that they might Gibbons might sort of do the old back to the old traditional thing and throw in the fastest guy like Kevin Pillar or something. So it might not solve all the problems, but I think Storin's going to really help out the bullpen for sure with with Sanchez, who might actually shift the rotation now potentially and fill that void that that dominant void that he was throughout the season as well. And uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is, will we, you know, we you mentioned Jay Bruce a second ago. We've heard some trade, you know, discussions, so to speak. Uh, is this the lineup that they're going to walk into on opening day, or do you see them making a deal for an outfielder? I think this is going to be it. Um, it looks like they're fairly happy with it, and the fact that I've seen Saunders is even floated in in leadoff position situation uh, sort of discussions with with Gibbons and and management sort of means they're confident in at least his ability to hit when he's on the field. Um, so I don't think there's going to be many changes there. Maybe some minor league pieces or some, some other depth. They just, they just got Dominic Brown. I'm not sure if that really counts as news. No, probably not. Right. <laughs> there's a, there's a few reclamation projects, reclamation projects, junior lakes somewhere around the system now. So we'll see if they can turn these guys around, but this is probably going to be what, team looks like on opening day i kid about don brown i actually don't think that's the worst gamble of all time but uh it's i still don't i don't like the chances right exactly so uh <laughs> mark anything else yeah i wanted to ask uh your uh comment ryan about uh soren uh reminded me of something i wanted to ask you ben uh, how do you think uh soren and asuna are gonna work out who's who who do you expect to close and and how do you think the other's gonna react to uh being regulated to the eighth inning uh, I, I think Osuna, I, well, I, I sort of find him fit for the rotation a little bit, but I don't think that's the direction the team wants to go. And with Storin sort of being uh, under contract right now, he'll probably be put in the ninth, at least for financial purposes, for to keep Osuna cheap. And I don't think he'll mind as much. And I think he'll be more effective if he's not sort of delegated to just one inning kind of and it sort of goes back to the rotation the potential in the rotation piece a little bit because he kind of has a few pitches that you can kind of get lefties and righties out so you could even stretch him into the into the seventh and eighth a little bit so i think that allows him to leverage that versatility a little bit more than than storen has um and they also have brett cecil too who's could do the jobs that both of those guys could do as well and he was definitely hurt, uh, missing in the playoffs as well all right, well then, uh, you know, I got to ask the question: uh, Win prediction total for 2016 for the Blue Jays? I'm going to say 87 wins. Okay, and give me one prediction. I don't want to. Uh, how do I say this? Something a little off the radar. 
if, if it may be for a fantasy player, somebody that you like, something that you think is going to happen, give me a little something off the radar. I mean, I, I'm going to put a disappointing one in there. And I, and I feel like 87s might seem a little low, but I, I think the Devin Travis sort of phenomenon of last year where he was really good for a little bit and then got hurt, I don't, I don't really see that working out extremely well. So it's going to be more Ryan Goins, and, which is great in the field, but I think there's going to be a couple holes that really sink them. One of them is going to be Travis, and that's going to come with um, some regression when he's in the lineup. And I think the, the, the shoulder is going to be bugging him throughout the year. I hope not, but, but it's, I, I, I foresee that happening. Okay, so you're not going to be drafting Devin Travis in fantasy leagues. Nor Ryan Goins, actually, because he'll. Well, that's a given. That's a given. His, his 220 average over 500 plate appearances is going to be even worse. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. I still like uh, I still like Toronto in that division, but I think the AL East is going to be a lot better than it was uh, certainly uh, last season. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Mark, I'm tagging you in, bud. It's time to talk about the San Diego Padres. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the Padres. See, it's uh, it's interesting to me. I feel like maybe their 2016 season's not going to be that interesting, but I feel like the franchise as a, as a whole, so to speak, is really interesting to talk about. You know, I, I think that's a good point. You, you have the two prospects they got from Boston. You have... Uh, I'm blanking out. You have Margot. I love me some Margot. Oh, I love me some Margot. Right, and and he's going to be ready next year. And you have the other top 100 prospect, the, the other outfielder. Boy, I'm having one of those days. I Hunter Renfro. Yes, and, and, and you know he's got some good minor league numbers, and 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 Renfro looks like he's he's going to be ready for 2017. You got Guerrero looks like too ready for 2018. And, and really, you do have some interesting pieces. They are kind of an interesting team maybe rather ordinary this year but you could see 2017 2018 this could be kind of a fun team to watch it, it might be that uh preller for all uh for all the hype he got for the 2015 offseason you know it might be a couple years from now they're actually a much more interesting team than they were but to, to stay with the offseason before we look ahead a little bit it, it seemed like an interest and I hate that word but it was <laughs> it seemed odd to me they sold on Benoit they sold on Kimbrell but yet they didn't sell on any of their starting pitchers Will Myers is still there Matt Kemp is still there Derek Norris is still there I mean a lot of pieces they could have moved if they wanted to go into more of a full-blown rebuild are still there I kind of your thoughts on the offseason I mean, I like the moves they did make. Uh, the Kimbrel trade is great. I thought they uh, they took the Red Sox for a ride. Although I am a little bitter that Dave Dombrowski finally got a closer for his team. Um, I like the guy they got from the um, from the Mariners for Benoit. Certainly looks like a real prospect. Uh, he he got some good uh, good press in the Northwest League last year by Baseball America. And they, you know, they have they have Renfro in the minor leagues who looks good. Uh, they have some good arms in the rotation. Uh, you know, Ross is terrific. Uh, I I don't I think Big James James is not going to have another bad year. I, I think that was a little bit of an aberration. Although you don't expect going to Petco Park, you're suddenly going to give up all kinds of dingers. <laughs> Very true. But the, but the player, I think I was really surprised. If you're going to move anybody and you're the Padres, it's really Andrew Kashner seems to be the guy you want to move. This is his last arb year. Uh, he has all the promise in the world. Uh, this is yet for the fourth or fifth time of the year he's going to break out. Uh, you love his stuff. You look at Brick's baseball and you, you look at his repertoire and you just kind of drool and then you look at his performance and it just doesn't match up. That was really the that's really the picture I think if I were a Padres fan and and you're looking at who could we trade I think you want to keep Ross he's young enough you want to keep Shields because he's expensive Kemp's expensive I think Myers you want to see if he can stay healthy they're going to try him at first base this year which I think will uh, maybe negate his uh, tendency to uh, get injured by a stiff wind. <laughs> And really, the, the the piece I think that is the most valuable that's still on the roster is probably Kashner, and that's who I would have traded. If I were A.J. Preller, I think that's who I would have traded, and then you kind of 
hold on to the rest of these pieces. You know, maybe Melvin Upton Jr. has had a resurrection. Uh, he certainly had a nice second half last year. It's a big surprise. Uh, you know, you have Matt Kemp who can still hit, although uh, uh, his defense would make a good horror movie. <laughs> and, of course, you have Myers. Yeah. So, so what does this roster look like at this present moment? Because, like you said, they have a couple of good arms in, in the rotation. They have some guys that can hit. The defense sounds like a, like you said, I'll use your term, a horror show. But what does this team look like in, in this, you know, kind of ahead of opening day? Uh, it's, it's one of those things. I suppose if everything goes well, they could be in the 500-ish fringe of the of the second wild card kind of chase. But there would have to be a lot that went right. You, you'd have to have Melvin Upton remembered how to hit, and, it, it you know, it sticks this year. You know, good luck with that. A couple of their young guys, Solarte, the third baseman, uh, with uh, the, the stone glove at third. And then you have Sprangenberg, who had a decent walk rate, but uh, strikes out a ton. You know, if, if they all hit, they're probably pretty good. You had Derek Norris last year who forgot how to walk and learned how to throw people out. That's kind of interesting. It's just a really weird team. And they're in a very weird state right now. Because, right. like you say, they could, if you dream on it, they could win 81, 82, 83 games. But then you start thinking about it, well, they're not better than the Dodgers. I don't think they're better than the Giants. And goodness, they don't look like they're better than Arizona. Right. So what? Is, so where are we? I mean, what does that? Where does that leave them? I guess if I'm the if I'm the GM of the uh, if I'm AJ Preller, I'm not sure that I buy the uh, the Diamondbacks even with Granky because they have Granky and you know stuff. Uh, but the problem is, I mean, of course you have the three headed beast in the NL Central, and I'm not quite sure where they fit in. And maybe you just kind of hang out and you have a. A, a couple of decent years in 16 and 17 and you hope then then your uh, your big prospects come through but it's an odd team yeah uh, uh, Ben do you have uh, kind of questions for Mark yeah I was kind of curious about the Shields the sh- like what, what do you sort of foresee him because it seemed like last offseason the market really just kind of dropped out of nowhere for him and turns out that market was right there's there's something going on there maybe it's the homers but you don't really think of petco as a homer place but they started they started flying off the bats for against shields last year and so what do you think of him going forwards well his home run to fly ball ratio was unusually high it was just off the top of my head i think 17 or 18 Mm percent so it really was a weird year for him i mean if you look at xfip uh if you buy xfip as as Mm -hmm. a good measure and i think it's a pretty good measure last year was in line with the rest of his career except for you know the the dinger parade right uh, but on the other hand he's at petco park and all of a sudden he's giving up 33 home runs in a year and the, uh, a home run per nine rate the second worst of his career behind the 2010 season uh, but he's still the same guy he's gonna throw 200 innings he's gonna strike out eight or nine guys uh eight or nine guys every nine innings. It'll keep you in most games. Maybe not what you want for all the money the Padres paid for him, but he's still he's still a solid number two, number three starter. Yeah, I yeah think, that's good. Yeah. I think the hate has gotten a little overhyped on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, people expected big things. They thought he was going to get a big contract. He goes to a, a, a big pitcher's park and where you would expect him to shine, and uh, instead he was the you know the worst starter in baseball giving up home runs he just feels like a guy to gamble on for a bounce back this year almost you know the post type sleeper he's now everybody thought okay now he's going to go to petco he's going to be in the national league this guy's going to be a star and the next thing you know it like everything with san diego last year it kind of bounced and flopped a little bit i i would gamble on him in a fantasy league or just gamble on him in general this year I, I think so, too. I think what you're going to see is he's going to be in the low 20s for home runs, and that's going to kind of drag everything down. It'll drag down his ERA. Uh, it'll drag down his his other peripheral stats. I mean, he certainly he had some nice things. He did uh, his K rate went up by by a strikeout per per nine innings. I'm sorry, two strikeouts by per nine innings. 
So that's kind of a positive. Of course, you know, he, he had some trouble with walks. He doubled his walk rate, which you wouldn't expect given his career. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he's an excellent he's an excellent candidate for a bounce back season. Uh, certainly, at least he'll be reliable. I think this last year was his ninth consecutive year throwing 200 innings. Yeah, maybe I was cherry picture. picking. I was cherry picking a little bit too because I, you know, I just thought of Ian Kennedy as well, and I know he obviously has his homer problems no matter where he is. But uh, I guess like together they quite gave up quite a few. Right, and they walked a lot. It was funny. Yeah. It was Ross had a huge walk rate. Shields had a huge walk rate. Kennedy gave up some walks. Kashner gave up, up some walks. Uh, I think three of the top 15 or 18 in walk rates were all Padres starters. And that'll kill you, right? Yeah. That's the uh, one of the few old sayings. It's actually true. Very true. Ben, uh, anything else? Yeah, I wonder if there's anything, any, any way to, to to point the finger to there. If there's, was there, has there been any new coaching changes with 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 pitching coaches and that type of thing, or guys working on new mechanics that it maybe have altered that a little bit? You know, I looked when I was writing the annual, and there's really no explanation for the uh, for the home run rate. It really just does seem to be one of those seasons where he wasn't sharp for whatever reason, you know, maybe there's some, some kind of a lingering injury that wasn't disclosed or his pitches just weren't sharp for most of the season. Uh, there's something about the weather in San Diego. It's too nice. And he didn't want to work on his breaking balls and gave up dingers instead. Uh, it, it was really, I didn't see any kind of a logical explanation for why he gave up so many home runs. Yeah, it's Kennedy fascinating. Played. Yeah, yeah it, it really is interesting. And, of course, if he comes back and you look on paper, boy, Ross, Shields, and Kashner, that looks like a pretty good top three. Yeah, if you get anything from the back of the of the rotation, they always find relievers. It, right. Like you say, they might be able to hit a little bit. They won't field the baseball, but. And they're a good base running team, but pretty traditionally a top ten base running team. So not going to get into a bunch of stupid outs. So, well, I have, uh, you know, kind of one final question for you, Marcus. Just uh, give me a win total prediction for this team and give me kind of one, you know, prediction that's a little bit, you know, off the radar. Oh, I think they're going to win 75 teams. That's kind of a generic, boring win total where you're not in the playoff race. You're not challenging for the second wild card. You're not challenging for a bottom five pick. Uh, as for an off-the-wall prediction, I think you're going to see a little bit of a uh, resurrection of Melvin Upton's career. Hmm. I don't think he's going to be the player he was in 2012, but I think you're going to see kind of league average hitting when with, with you when you pair that with his defense in center field and you pair that with base running. You know, that's a nice player, especially when uh, when taking on his salary meant you got Kimbrell for for pennies and then you, then you traded Kimbrell for two really – big time prospects i think i think that's going to be one of the rare instances of the 2015 season that really will pay off Hmm. and also i think we're going to see good fernando rodney in this year for some reason wow that that's a good one that's a good prediction i'll give you that one well ryan when he uh when he pitched for my tigers i always called him baseball's most exciting player that because nothing got my heart rate up like seeing rodney come in in the ninth with my team in the lead (laughs) Yeah, I'm blanking on whatever it is, but he also could be the name of a blood pressure medication, too, because all it does is spike as soon as the guy comes in the game. So uh, I'm going to throw a little quick one out there for uh, Carlos Asuaje. Remember the name. I think he, he he plays a part for the Padres this year. So anyways, nonetheless, let's uh, if I can move away from kind of doing some of these previews, I, I do want to talk a little bit of the week uh, or the news of the week. It, obviously, it's rather quiet in baseball right now. We're all kind of pitchers and catchers and waiting. But two interesting signings happened uh, in the last, I don't know, week, we'll call it. Uh, Dexter Fowler looked like he was all but signed with the Baltimore Orioles. Then, almost like a professional wrestling event, shows up at the Chicago Cubs camp and is like, hey, fellas, I'm back with the Cubs. Um Either one of you guys want to start? I'm just – I thought it was fascinating. Sure, I can start with the Fowler 
it, it was really interesting, and it and it seemed like this is kind of a trend of Dan Duquette of like saying you're in on a million players and then like signing a couple. Um, and I wonder if maybe it, it, there was two things. Part of it being the Cubs players maybe getting some push there, and you know obviously he just had some rapport there, and maybe he had some familiarity there, and communications arose, and that sort of drove him away from Baltimore. And the, sort of the other issue being the Gallardo kind of m- misdeal and the injury flags that came up with Baltimore. Maybe that sort of earning or taking a lot of resources away from the push towards getting Fowler uh, signed. So a combination of those things potentially just maybe allowed him to just walk out of the Dan Duquette's waiting room and head on over to the to Chicago. Yeah, Mark, your but thoughts? I, I, I think you bring up a good point with, with your second point about the uh, – of course, Baltimore is famous for their kind of gamesmanship when it comes to – uh, the physical, and it, it happened again this year with Gallardo, and I think if you're Dexter Fowler, you're looking, and you know there's a good chance that they're going to magically find something in the in the physical, and, and they'll try to get you for a better deal, and I think you, you, he looked at an opportunity with the Cubs. Uh, you know, the Cubs are certainly a much better team with Hayward and Wright and Dexter Fowler in center field. You're maximizing Hayward's value as a corner outfielder, Mm-hmm. Uh, Fowler's still an excellent center fielder and a really good hitter. Uh, it really made a lot of sense, and, and certainly he's going to a better team, right? I, I, I think. Yeah, I think nobody a, will be surprised. That's a great point. I think that nobody's talking about is it's not surprising that he would rather play for the Cubs than play for the Orioles. And I'm an Orioles fan, but I don't say that. I mean, the Cubs are one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the World Series, and the Orioles are in a little bit of a state of flux. Right, and he just kind of walks into a perfect situation. A spot right for him. He's going to be the everyday center fielder. He's well suited to that role. He improves the team's defense overall because Hayward is a mediocre center fielder and, you know, an amazing, all world, superfluous, wonderful corner outfielder. So, you know, all of a sudden the Cubs are, you know, 10 runs better as a, as a defense. That's probably a one win swing just by putting Dexter Fowler in center defensively over over Hayward and putting Hayward back in the uh, in the corner. Well, in all warts aside, I mean, Fowler has a, what, 350 on-base percentage for his career? I mean, it, his yep. skills are very much mm-hmm. needed. He, a table setter is something they could certainly use at the top of that lineup with all those Absolutely. mashers. They don't have necessarily that, and I don't want to say prototypical leadoff hitter, but they certainly don't have somebody that can table set for the mashers. And I, I think it makes perfect sense for why he went back to the Cubs. I agree. It's a terrific signing by the Cubs, and and I think uh, I really do think it is is Baltimore kind of being hoisted on their own petard as far as this this physicals business. But they I, did it last year. They they did it with Gallardo, and uh, I think finally caught up with them. Quite frankly, I agree with your point. Although I will say that, in fairness to the Orioles, it does seem like they come up with with. Um, you know, physical uh, irregularities more often with pitchers than they do with hitters. It does seem like it's the pitchers more often, but I think you make a great point that he didn't want to wait around in the process to see if and when what was going to happen. Yeah. If I could just chime in too, Ryan, you sort of, you mentioned like just the offensive prowess of Fowler and he can play center field. He can play in a corner. And it, 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 the biggest thing is it's weird to me that, Nobody else seemed to be interested. Like it was thir- it was a it was a thirteen mil deal, right? With a with a, a mutual option or a team option. It seems like there's a lot of teams that would have interest in a guy of, of sort of that pedigree. You, even the Jays, that if you could stick him in left, you're definitely getting an upgrade there. Um, I was glancing at some depth charts earlier and saw the Angels are rolling with Daniel Nava right now in the corner, and I. Can't imagine how he's an upgrade over and, Fowl, over Fowler. So it's weird to, to. I get that you want to go to a winning team, but if you could get two more. I don't see how you couldn't get two more years. So like, I guess the that really is the market for hitters just dwindling. And to your point, Ben, uh, the Orioles needed Fowler much more than they needed Gallardo, in my opinion. The upgrade from what they're going to run out there in the corner outfields this year is much worse than the upgrade that they're going to get from Gallardo to whoever start whatever starting pitcher they're going to 
you know, improve upon. They needed Fowler's on base percentage, as I just mentioned. And and the left-handed bat atop that lineup, that would have pushed Manny Machado down. It would have given, you know, another kind of table setter, and I hate that word, to Chris Davis and some of the other guys, Weeders and Adam Jones. I'm surprised they didn't prioritize Fowler over Gallardo in this. Yeah, it's very weird. And I think they're going to be rolling with that, the, the international signee, the one of the one of the Asian international players they brought over in the leadoff spot too, so that that can't be good for guys like Machado and Davis if 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 he unless he really pans out. But yeah, there's definitely a, a big void there. And I think now like you might have Trumbo playing a lot of outfield, which you know another thing that that just looks awful if with Fowler walking away. I mean, I just don't see a way that Fowler isn't a two to three win player for the Orioles and certainly a two to three win upgrade. And I'm not sure I would guarantee or say that confidently about Gallardo. I I find the whole thing bizarre for the Orioles. I, I understand the package deal for sure, but I think you got to get the bat and the outfielder before you prioritized Gallardo. Right, especially because yeah. now, as as Ben mentioned, you know, they're relying on Hoon Soo Kim, who uh, had a wonderful walk rate and uh, and the KBO, but... I would feel a lot more confident about him if he was signed for a lot more money than what he earned, right. what he's earning. Yeah, and absolutely. I know that sounds maybe, that's a silly way to, just, to uh, judge your confidence, but... Um, guys, maybe we should turn... Uh, turn our attention now to the other signing that happened uh, just this morning frankly as we're recording uh ian desmond going to from the nationals rip and signing with the texas rangers to play left field one year i believe it was eight million maybe something has changed if it's crossing the wire and it's different but um very strange peculiar but kind of intriguing signing i'd love to hear your guys thoughts uh Maybe I'll start with Ben. Uh, I started Mark, I think, the last time. Yeah, sure. I I think on this podcast, maybe it was my two podcasts ago for me, uh, I think we made some predictions about some salary for Murphy and for Desmond. And I remember saying something like four-plus years or, or three-plus years, like over 60 mil, just on on the back of just one bad year. And it's, it's crazy what has changed and I guess like what the market has thought of him this this offseason because I understand that he made a lot of errors last year and he's probably not a shortstop going forwards but I have to give some benefit of the doubt to the Nationals for you know I'm not sure how well versed they are in analytics or anything like that and it can identify that he's not really working out at shortstop but you know they didn't really even try him anywhere else and and to see that that he's going from you know a full-time shortstop to completely playing left field seems a seems a little weird to me, um, and I wonder if this could even be like a Hanley project, sort of going to turn into the Hanley project from in Boston's case. But it, it, I don't know. I, I'm surprised he didn't wasn't given an opportunity to play in the infield because it looks like right. Great Elvis point. isn't going anywhere. Odor is not going anywhere. Beltre's it was hurt a bit, but where is he going? Right. So it's very odd. Yeah, I, I'm like you say. I'm stunned that he's not staying in the infield I, of nothing else. Although I still think you could you could run him out at shortstop for another year or so. But yeah, that's, yeah. But uh, Mark, your thoughts? I think it's just a bonkers signing. Uh, I, you know, I, I I looked when I saw that they were going to put him in left field. He has seven career innings in the outfield. Seven, <laughs> none of which were in left field. I was going to say I, I would have guessed center field if anything, and I, I and it was center field way back when seven innings, and uh, and and sure he he hits really well for or a shortstop or a second baseman, and and I think you're right, Ryan. I think he probably still could play at least an average to slightly below average shortstop, but uh, uh, Ian Desmond's numbers in left field just don't cut it, and and you have you have somebody who for a left fielder is a mediocre hitter. Uh, a huge question mark in left field because we all know any shortstop can play left field. Just ask <laughs> Hanley Ramirez. Uh, not that Ian Desmond is anywhere close to as bad as Hanley was as a shortstop, but still, it's a completely different skill set. 
Well, and uh, Russell Carlton wrote a great column, you know, former guest of the show. Oh, it was so good. Wrote a tremendous column about how we just assume, oh, you can move somebody to a weaker position on the on the defensive spectrum, and it's no problem. And that's not the way it goes. You need some experience at that position. I, uh, great point, just kind of building off, what is he going to be in left field? Right. You know, he just doesn't hit. I don't think he hits well enough for left field. And, and you top that all off with, of course, they're losing the number 19 overall pick for signing Desmond. Uh, I, I, sure, they ha- they got a pick for Gallardo, but that's just a disaster. You, you couldn't find a Matt Joyce or another generic outfielder that can that can be league average and, and not a huge question mark in left field. Austin Jackson isn't a better fit? There you right. go. Austin Jackson is available for free, and you know he's not the player he was five years ago, but he's probably going to hit outright better than Ian Desmond this year. I mean, I'm a monster Ian Desmond fan and I just don't understand it when there's that type of player out there and, and so forth that it makes no sense to me at all. I mean, if they were picking him to play the infield, I would, I I think this was a great signing at 8 million. Uh, You know, if if you're feeling, if you're a competitive team, filling a hole at second base, a shortstop or even third, uh, he's still a good player, but in left field, Hey, it just makes no sense. If this deal was a three-year deal for $30 million, is it going to be an infielder, either at second or third? I, I would be fine with it. I would say, great, yeah. you know, pat on the back, good job. Yep. That, that's Maybe you got a nice infielder for, you know, a little under market rate. I, I don't understand shifting him to the outfield and losing a pick for one year. And what are you going to slap the fr- the uh, pick, uh, the pardon me, I'm forgetting Zero. whatever. Thank you. Uh, and I was blanking on that. Are you going to slap it on him next year when you've just seen that how it worked out this year? I, uh, um, I don't know. And I love Ian Desmond. And, and as a national fan, it, you know, it's horrible to see him go. And he's a great guy, you know, even better guy off the field. But I, in a vacuum, that signing made no sense to me. And I also forgot to mention Profar, too. You know, I hope his recovery is coming along well. But it really doesn't even seem like he's even considered as a backup infielder with the amount of infielders they have there that are going to be around for a while so it seems like a pure outfield move and maybe we need to edit this out but josh hamilton's still there right (laughs) kind of i mean i know you're not counting on anything necessarily from him but that is where he would play left field right right? is he he hurt is he did i not did i read he was hurt maybe yeah i thought i read he was hurt and that kind of precipitated the move but (laughs) seven innings yeah, in center. <laughs> and, and that, by the way, guys, that includes his minor league career. So probably the last time he played left field, uh, he was playing Little League. I bet he's never played it. Oh, I bet not. You never put the good players in left field. Hell, I played in left field. That's how bad you had to be to play uh, out there. Yeah, normally the guys that were bad went to right field. I mean, left <laughs> you know, goodness. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that. Yeah, I don't want to crush the signing, but it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not that oh, I don't think that he's going to play well. It, and, Ryan. It's awful. It's an awful signing. And I don't, goodness, I don't get it. So, all right, I, I think we can move ahead with that. I don't think we need to to belabor that point, so to speak, any further. But uh, and I want to give the the credit to one of you guys because you came up with it off the air, but I'm blanking on who it it was now. But um. Last night, I think we were all kind of watching Steph Curry and, I don't know, awe, amazement, whatever. It, I think it's easy to say that he's the best player in the NBA right now, but one of you guys, and please chime in with who it was, kind of said off the air, well, what would Steph Curry be as a baseball player? It was Ben. <laughs> yeah, so, that's. I'm badgering at the effectively wild bracket already here, but <laughs> if baseball were different and Steph Curry was in it. But it... it uh, yeah, I, well, we talked about you know a little bit about if he had the coordination aspect of it, if he could sort of swing that. He's not really a big guy, so if he you know had to handle the bat, I'm not sure how that would go. And the other point I wanted to to bring up was when I when I see him play basketball, he makes all these shots from anywhere, and his form is really bad, even playing basketball. So I can't imagine if you put a bat in his hands or told him how to feel the grounder, he would. I don't know, be able to transition any proper form from another sport or coordination from another sport to baseball. All right. Well, what do we know? He's probably, I don't know, 6'1", 6'2", 180 pounds. Yeah. I mean, jump. 
I mean, he, he looks small on a basketball court, but obviously he would fit in right on a baseball field. I would guess that he would be at least an above-average athlete. I'd assume he's probably an above-average run, certainly average to above-average runner. Yeah. He's got great hand-eye coordination, just as we've seen, because he can dribble and do all that, and, and he's a scratch golfer, as I mentioned, off the air. So, <laughs> so the hand-eye is there. He's obviously got a good work ethic if he's a top athlete in two sports. And that's probably about what we know. So I wonder if he could, if he has the strength. He definitely has the coordination, like you mentioned, but the strength to, to drop a bunt down, if he could sort of leverage that and use that speed and the, the, a quick burst to get to first, maybe? Is that, a, is that a skill set he could leverage? And I have no idea on the arm, but I, I th- yeah, I mean, I think that that might, he could definitely learn that skill. And he obviously has learned multiple skills on the, on, you know, in the courts. I'm, I think he could play the outfield. I have no idea on his arm, but. See, he screams to me shortstop, right? Really good hand-eye coordination, you know, obviously has really good instincts, a smart player, quick. Doesn't that sound like every shortstop prospect you hear about? Maybe a little trouble with the bat, but hey, if you can play defense, that papers over a lot. I'm with you. I'm worried about the arm, but yeah, that yeah. Uh, you're a thousand percent right on every other ingredient. You're you're exactly right. Imagine how nice those jump throws would be too. <laughs> Deep in the hole. I mean, he could get some height. Maybe yeah. maybe he's a second baseman. Oh, you know, turning the turning the double play and the runners coming down on you. Although you're not allowed to do that, I guess anymore with the slide rules. But he just jumped right over those guys, and he, and he just drained a 35 footer completely off balance, not even sort of facing the basket completely yesterday. So he makes him he can make a couple throws, I think. He's confident. He's always in the zone, and the fans love him. I mean, you know, he uh, you know he did a dance routine at Oklahoma City, and they were all cheering. Oh well, if that if he can dance too, now yeah, you what know a player. he can. Yeah. Holy cats! He's amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's really it's actually pretty cool to watch. And I'm not a huge NBA fan, but it, it's really cool to watch how he's revolutionizing the game. It's it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm not either, and I, I don't usually watch a lot of NBA games. And I was kind of looking over my Twitter feed, and they kept talking about you know all the three pointers he's hitting. So I turned it on, and it was just incredible. The game winning shot was just yeah. You know that's the. That's that's NBA Jam '95 kind of. He's uh, on fire. He's, he's eating up. <laughs> that's sudden, exactly what it seems like. He's like he's got a cheat code to the NBA. All of a sudden, the net would catch fire. That was the greatest. <laughs> I love that game so much. Oh, the arcade version was the greatest game ever. Yep. Oh, Seattle was my team with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Oh, that team was so bad. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So I'm going. I mean, obviously, we're you know. He probably couldn't hit, but I'm thinking I'm thinking he's an up the middle profile, fringy hit, occasional pop, good runner. Sounds like a utility infielder to me. Those guys last for fifteen years in, in major league baseball. And you know he's a good guy. Right. So Clubhouse, he's gotta be a twenty fifth man candidate for sure. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm going with. I'm calling him a utility infielder profile. I believe it. Uh, yeah, no I, 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 I believe he can do pretty much anything he wants at this rate. Yeah, I hope right, he gets the chance, too. Yeah, right now. Mm. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, on that lighthearted note, maybe this is a good place for uh, us to call it a week here. So uh, same way we enter, or begin the show, we're going to end the show. Um, how about you guys say your, your goodbyes to the internet and to the audience Um once again, we'll start alphabetically with Ben. Uh, say goodbye. Thanks, Ryan. And uh, be sweet on Twitter, and uh, we'll preview the Jays in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Once again, as I said, the previews have been great, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mark, kind of same thing. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking baseball with you, Ryan, and, and you as well, Ben. And I'm looking forward to your your Jays article. I think they're going to be one of the uh, fun teams this year. Uh, you can find my work on Banished to the Pen. Pretty much that's the only place I write when I do. Uh, and, and really, it's a pleasure to write with so many people that come up with such really excellent work. Uh, 
it, it's uh, I know I've, I've said it before, but really, I think everybody that's that's involved with Banish to the Pen should really be proud of the work we're doing. And I think some people have particularly come up with some really brilliant things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SharkMGS. And thanks again. I look forward to talking to you again, Ryan. And hey, when, are you, when are your preview or previews uh, supposed to be up or are they already up? Uh, tomorrow, uh, the San Diego Padres preview will be up. Uh, it'll be scintillating. And then uh, I believe uh, with myself and AD, we'll be writing the Tigers preview coming up on Thursday. Oh, awesome. And, and, and we'll be the only ones who are positive about them. Uh, <laughs> so a double sans week for us here That's at Vanish right. to the Pen. Yep, yep, Actually, yeah, a triple yeah. with you on the pod, too. We got a triple awesome. sans. <laughs> So uh, that's really uh, – that's great. And I want to build off your point that I want to give a small shout-out, if I can, to Rob. Um, I think it's Cranboy uh, on Twitter. Um, I believe one of his uh, pieces from last year was nominated for a Sabre Award. Um, I'm doing this a little off the top of my head, so uh, pardon me if I'm getting any of the specifics wrong. But uh, Rob uh, is a tremendous, tremendous writer, a big fan of his. I met him up at the Sabre Seminar last summer he's been a great addition to the team at banish to the pen and uh i want to give him a that a boy and and a, just a job well done on um you know his great piece of work definitely look for it and everything he writes at banish to the pen uh definitely go check him out so well uh, good job Rob. yep so. sweet all right guys uh on that note uh thank you ben thank you mark for joining me this week and um stay warm we're only a month away from opening day or so and uh I hope to have you guys back on the show uh, sometime during the season. Sweet. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. And that was episode 46 of the Banished to the Pen podcast with my guests and authors and writers at Banished to the Pen, Ben Suisa and Mark Sands. I want to thank them both again for joining me and uh, giving up their time on a Sunday afternoon. So thank you, guys. Uh, I also want to thank everybody associated with Banished to the Pen, the writers, the technical support staff, the editors, and everybody involved. Uh, as I said um, earlier, the previews that we the, we are rolling out each day are just tremendous, and I'm really impressed with the knowledge and the depth and, and just the work that's being done on a daily basis. So definitely check them out. If furthermore, just anything that's being put up, I mean, we've got a really great staff right now of writers and a really good product going up each day. So I, I can't recommend uh, starting your day uh, checking out banishtothepen.com. I am Ryan Sullivan at NatsGM.com on Twitter and the Baron of All Baseball podcasts reminding you, be nice to your fellow listeners.